and welcome to episode 199 of Milwaukee's Tailgate Brewers podcast, part of the MKE Tailgate Podcast Network. I am James, joined once again by Paul and Ryan. Uh, we're one off from a significant milestone on this podcast. We'll have uh, some plans for, for a special 200th episode next week. But uh, in the meantime, 199 this week. How are you guys doing? I'm good. I, I did a ton of unpacking this weekend and the house looks like a real house for the first time so very pleased with that oh yeah look at that you don't have boxes behind you anymore yeah it's the first time in a month i've seen Check you out, uh, in a video uh-huh. view without boxes uh-huh. Ooh, he's got a giant tv there that's, that's a, pro- a projector even paul's hobby is projectors so if anybody ever needs any advice on projectors outdoor <laughs> indoor cheap expensive i am your man that's your hobby not yes. the many other things that you do. Not the. I have a lot of hobbies. I make <laughs> retro beer. video games. I make the, beer. Yeah. I make retro video games and collect retro video games and program in Raspberry Pi and do a lot of bunch of podcasts. So yeah, whatever. A lot of <laughs> lot of hobbies. Ask Man of many stuff. hobbies. Yeah, I have a job go. too, which is crazy. Actually, think about yeah. it. <laughs> uh, right? How you doing? I am doing great. Fantastic. The Brewers kicked the living snot out of the Pirates, which uh, that was, <laughs> that was great. And then two out of three from the Braves as well. So also Pretty good. good there. Yeah. Yes. No complaints. I feel better about that, honestly. What? A two out of three instead of a uh, a full sweep? Yeah, because if you go... Uh, no, two out of three versus the Braves, is, I feel better about than sweeping the Pirates. Because I like sweeping the Pirates. You should sweep the Pirates. Uh, that, but it's also kind of the expected outcome. Whereas I like winning a series against a good team. That's what... I, Degree of difficulty was higher. I'm a, I, I like that better. I enjoy it more. They caught the pirates on a good week for them, anyway, because <laughs> I was going to say, like the, half the team flipped over. Yeah, it's during the, the trade deadline. The yeah, they're facing their own mortality. <laughs> you know, just yeah. looking at the the end of times for them and their buddies, and realizing yeah. that you know any of the good players that are there are probably going to be gone by the end of the week, which is basically what happened. Gonna be rough being the second worst team in the division for a while here for them, but they'll get through it. <laughs> I see what you did there. All right. Uh we'll talk more about that series in a second, but first a reminder, as always, you can help support us, support the podcast network by becoming a patron. That's at patreon.com slash MKE Tailgate. Two bucks a month gets you question priority here on this podcast, and five bucks a month, you get the minor league extra podcast with ryan and james anderson you also get some reporting as eligible mini pod from paul and we uh got one in the last week just kind you of should, uh, uh, you should probably listen all the way to the end just so you guys know just throwing that out there <laughs> some good some good stuff at the end there oh yeah the, the the mini pod mm-hmm. detailing the Aaron saga and all that so yeah, yeah. the Aaron saga like i i so i did record um the mini pod after the baseball pod last week and then <laughs> Then a bunch of stuff changed like instantly. Like Aaron yeah, came back he and just they decided and, to show up. Yeah. And demanded a trade for Randall Cobb, which they then did, which is insane. Yep. <laughs> so, so we we flipped that and re-recorded it. And it's it's about those things now. So um <laughs> give it a listen. And like I said, do listen till the end, and you'll be pleasantly surprised. There you go. And we've got some uh, re- regular reporting as eligible uh pods coming up. Here soon they as will well. probably start not to this week but next week because people are vacationing this week but yes very soon what is it with people and vacations it's like it's the last month of and summer actually i have and... mine coming up too which might complicate yeah things. but anyway yeah. sometime soon yeah. we'll have regular reporting as well because football is close uh a lot closer than i thought it was gonna be yes so, <laughs> so as you guys mentioned 
Brewers coming off a really good week. Uh, that pirate sweep was not even just a sweep. It was like a total annihilation, right? Yeah. It was, I think we added it up again. It was 28 to three and the three just came on some fluky home runs by a random guy. We can't even remember the name of And You <laughs> were saying pirates up. fans probably don't even know the name of. So yeah, it, I mean, that was just complete and utter domination. What you love to see. And yeah. as we mentioned, two or three from the Braves who are, somehow allergic to the 500 mark, but also somehow still well within the NL East race. So yeah, absolutely. By the way, that was Rodolfo Castro, which Rodolfo. is a phenomenal, phenomenal name. We should give How did I forget that name. That's a great name. Yeah. Is Rodolfo name. is well above average. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. So, and, and we got the pirates coming up again uh, in this next week. So brewers continue to uh, have the good schedule fortunes shine upon them. And uh, it comes after a pretty active uh, week here, at least in terms of maybe trying to fill some holes, patch up some things during the trade deadline last week before that, uh, you know, David Stearns, Matt Arnold stayed busy Added Eduardo Escobar, who I feel like I've wanted to be a brewer for at least four years now. I feel like he's <laughs> always been on that radar. Uh, and then, yeah, on uh, trade deadline day itself, picking up Daniel Norris from the Tigers, John Curtis from the Marlins. I believe that was the first trade with the Marlins since uh, Christian Yelich. So hopefully this one turns out uh, as good as the other. But the early returns have been a little worrisome. And I think Twitter's already decided John Curtis sucks. So uh, <laughs> I guess, uh, Ryan, you had some thoughts on that. But I guess uh, overall thoughts on the additions and, and who they did end up adding. I think this is pretty much what we expected and what we should have expected. It would have been surprising had they gone for a big name just because their position in the division doesn't warrant it. They're so far ahead. They didn't need to necessarily add a big name. And they haven't really been about spending on the top of the market for trade deadline acquisitions ever. This has not been something that David Stearns has ever done. So this is all perfectly in keeping with just what they do generally. And, you like Escobar he instantly comes in and is the team home run leader. So that did <laughs> fill a need, even though it's weird. Like you don't think of it quite that way, but that definitely filled a need. And he fits David Stern's profile perfectly. He's very versatile. You can play him at a bunch of different positions. I don't know how much we want to see him at first base because that really screwed them over on Saturday night. Sure did. <laughs> but all in all, very useful, very versatile player. Uh, I think it's a great signing, but it, it's a very Brewer signing. He, um, it, it is a very Brewer signing also because they immediately played him out of position, which is just a total Brewer's thing to do. Like, take a guy who's versatile in the first place and make him uncomfortable. But um, he is pretty much perfect for this lineup. He is um, he's technically a, 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 he's a switch, right? I'm not forgetting that right now. Mm-hmm. Um, no, he's a switch. But, but, yeah. but he, he, yeah, he, he gives them like good power he's an interesting guy too um i've actually always thought of him as kind of a a a power guy but he's really really athletic um and i don't know why i think of him that way he actually led the national league in triples two years ago (laughs) which you know you don't yeah you don't do unless you're pretty fast so um he's absolutely perfect for them um the I'm not sure his bat is really Miller Park perfect, but it doesn't matter. He gives good lineup <laughs> to the balance. There, he gives good bah, balance to the lineup. Good lineup to the balance. Yeah, yes. good, there's the name of the episode right there, but not the way I like to have it. Um, but uh, he 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 adds another power bat. He fills a weak position. Um, he can spell anybody at any position on the infield all the time. He's like a perfect get for Milwaukee. 
Um, I, I, I love it. It's great. It is very Stearnsy. I wish I would have predicted it in advance. And we should also mention here, Kevin Goldstein was talking about Escobar on the most recent episode of Chin Music, and he said that beyond all the things that you've just talked about, Escobar is also known as a tremendous, tremendous clubhouse presence, which just adds to what the Brewers do in that department generally, which is have a bunch of great teammates and a good functional working group together. So just adding another guy to the mix that really fits there. I think, yeah, it's a, it's a somewhat under the radar acquisition nationally. Like it doesn't get the headlines that Chris Bryant. If you're John Heyman. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. (laughs) That was fantastic. (laughs) Oh, oh, that was so good. Oh, John. Well, the, the trade deadline is one of the five days of the year that he's irrelevant, uh, person in the world the other four being the sunday through wednesday of the winter meetings and then mm-hmm. trade deadline day other than that john Heyman doesn't exist so he's just the worst he's so bad at his job well and he's also just a complete shill so yep. that's really yeah that that has been pointed out many many times though he he shills for whoever like it, ownership agents whatever everybody kind of knows the uh the infamous agent shilling that he does so whatever anyway um no, it's a fantastic pickup, and I was a little bit surprised moving on to Daniel Norris uh, when that <laughs> came across. Yeah, it, that's a weird one. It is a weird one until I started looking at some of the, the numbers, getting a little bit deeper into it. Pomeranzi, isn't it? It like... is, though. The difference with Pomerantz was he switched from the rotation to the bullpen like four outings before coming to Milwaukee. Right. Right. This was a little bit different, and I did some some research on this. Well, first off, before we get into that, uh, he is exceptional. Even this year, when he's had not a great ERA, he has absolutely shut down left-handers. His OPS is something in the 500s. You can look that up, but it it's something in the 500s. Beyond that, though, there is some evidence that he has changed as a pitcher just very recently, which is very much in the Drew Pomerantz mold, as you were talking about, James. In the month of May, he was throwing 38% changeups, 34% four seamers, and 27% sliders. In July, it was 51% four seamers, 36% sliders, and 13% changeups. So he basically went from throwing the changeup more than any other pitch to less than his other three pitches elevated the four seamers well up and the sliders up. Both of those increased and he's on the run coming into Milwaukee of uh, six straight scoreless outings. So we'll have to see, but that does also kind of scream like a David Stearns type acquisition, doesn't it? Yeah, it does. As someone who's made a noticeable change in their actual approach and seen results for it and other people just kind of screening him off because of, some elevated numbers that aren't really even entirely his fault. So that does make a lot of sense. And it's a 547 OPS against against lefties. So even worst case scenario, you've got yourself a good loogie, which is a totally fine thing to have. So um, I think also a savvy move and another like good good value acquisition there and very Stearnsy as per usual. And I think too, uh, maybe this is something that at least it, it it's mildly annoyed me at times seeing Brent Suter in very like tight situations <laughs> and maybe, you know, Norris can kind of take those over now as well. And maybe, or at least handle some of the higher leverage situations where you've yeah. seen Brent. Suter. When I see, 
when I see Suter in those situations, all that comes to my mind every single time is, ah, God bless him, he does his best. And and that's really all you can say about him because it's just not his forte. Like he's a he's long fine. guy, you know? He's, he's fine, fine. But, but he's it's not not who I want to see, Ryan. He's not and I know miss you bats when you need him to miss bats. I, I know you'll defend him to your death, but he's like good. he's just he's good. not he's, a, just... He, he's he's just fine. That's it. And if he never pitches in another extra inning runner on situation again, I'll be very happy. But <laughs> that's fair because that is, yeah, that a is particularly fair. high leverage thing. And I also get why uh, why counsel would turn to him because he trusts them and gets that mm-hmm. like he is going to generally not get himself into trouble in those situations, though he did at least once that comes to mind. So it's it's tricky. That's a tough situation. And hopefully you guys hear that uh, that is supposedly likely to go away. The mm-hmm. uh, the zombie runner on second yep. and yeah, yeah. the which I yeah, good. Get rid of that. That's stupid. Uh, I would like to replace it with 10 inning ties, but that's not going to happen either because Americans hate ties in their sports. Um, <laughs> but uh, the seven inning doubleheaders are also likely to go away. And that, I have much less of a problem with the seven inning doubleheaders. I, I think they're fine. Like they've been done in the minor leagues forever. Uh, they're mm-hmm. fine. I, I really don't have an issue with it, but whatever. Um, <laughs> I think Norris. One thing we're going to have to be careful of is pay attention to not Norris's overall numbers with the Brewers, but pay attention the way that like Alex Claudio is used when he gets used in high leverage. It'll be against lefties like you will see him come in and it will be like either to end an inning or it'll be like there are two lefties in three batters do up that inning and they'll bring him in there or. And this is when the damage will actually get done. And this was what happened so often with Claudio. He'll come in in, you know, a three-run deficit or something and get blown up and turn it into a five or six-run deficit. And people will be like, well, he sucks. Well, he was just brought into that situation to eat the innings because they were almost certainly going to lose that game anyway. So you'll Craig punt. Yeah, I mean, and it's that's just part of the deal. You're you're soaking innings that you need to soak. And they're going to have plenty of that in this you know, second half here where they're just trying to, to eat up innings. So just be aware that not all of his appearances and innings and you know, batters faced are to be uh, treated equally. He's here yeah. to do some very specific things, and they'll use him in other situations, but that's not really why he's here. So <laughs> just be aware. All right. And I suppose while we're on the topics of warnings of uh... – relievers acquired in the middle of the season ryan you had some thoughts on john curtis after a couple of <laughs> uh, rough first so, outings here with we, the we also we gotta talk about john curtis because john curtis's profile is really weird but <laughs> ryan you you can start. no no no. you go ahead paul because this is the more important part of it all right so he, john curtis is is a big huge weird so he's a righty okay and he has career reverse platoon splits um, lefties have a 645 OPS against him uh, over a pretty substantial sample, not huge, but but not tiny. And uh, righties hit him you know, better, 740 OPS, but still not great. But then he's got wacky home away splits too, um, which he's way, 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 way better wherever he's been at home, which has been many, many, many different stadiums. So. I don't know if he doesn't like travel. Maybe he doesn't have <laughs> as many Marriott points as I do. I don't know. But um, he uh, he's all 
he's very strange. So I don't know what to make of him. That profile it kind of bothers me, honestly. <laughs> but uh, he, he doesn't pitch like people are supposed to pitch. So I don't know. Yeah, he has bounced around quite a bit. I know he was on Eno Saris's list of relievers who could maybe get traded at the deadline who have really good stuff profile. So he he does bring that to the table. And he came in with a four and a half strikeout to walk ratio, right? It was like nine to two. Yeah, something like that. Yeah, he's good at that. Yeah. So there's definitely something there. It is a weird profile and you don't know exactly what to expect of him. Getting into the point that I was going to make before, uh, yeah, this is one of those situations where uh, whatever he does is going to be a small sample size. Now, granted, he might stay longer because he barely has any major league service. Yeah, time, he's, right? he has not been in the in the bigs very long. Cups of coffee, lots of times. He's got two options left, according to Fangraphs, free agent <laughs> post twenty twenty six. So, very Stearnsy, mm-hmm. and we'll probably be here for a while. Yeah. Well, or he'll just continue bouncing out to the next team because apparently that's also, what he does. Could also. be a two, his, yep. Aside from all that weirdness that I just went through, his ERA and his FIP are like the same. So, <laughs> like, how often do you see that? Like, that never happens. Somebody's always out of whack a little bit. It's really weird. I do think there's somebody in the Brewer front office who loves like weird platoon splits and has figured something out about them because the Brewers have a lot of them. Um, it, it's it's a thing on the team. Right. Rowdy Rowdy also has weird platoon splits, so they, they like guys like that. Well, and I think it's largely why they targeted William Adamas, right? Like, they realized yeah. he was a different, completely different hitter outside of the trop. Something was wrong in the platoon splits, and they went and figured out what it was. Yeah. You would think more teams would catch on to stuff like that, and you know what? They probably all are. It's just the Brewers are being more aggressive on these guys than other teams are, and they're the ones bringing them in. But... Yeah, the thing with Curtis is, yeah, so far we've seen he did give up the Grand Slam to, was it Dansby? Yeah, it was Dansby, Mm -hmm. his second home run. And that was after the Escobar error at first base. Or was it an Adamas throwing error? I don't remember if he actually credited it to. It was just, it was a bad play that should have been made. And uh, it led to a Grand Slam after that. And then today he gave up, he came in with runners on and gave up a, pretty weak single and then got out of the, the inning unscathed after that so he is he is giving up inherited runners and giving up some uh at least in that one case with Swanson some hard contact it is important to remember that anything we're going to see out of a reliever is small sample because even in the course of a full season if John Curtis had been here all year we would have about what 70 innings of him to judge him on that's right, even a like small that. sample for really getting down to like what a pitcher really is. We're going to have like what 15 to 20 innings of him from here on out and that's just not enough to really judge him based on much of anything at all. So the hope is is that he or Justin Topa or uh, I guess Jake Cousins is on the uh, COVID IL right now, right? List, yeah. Yep. Yeah, so the hope is that some of these guys step up and become key contributors to a shutdown back into the bullpen down the stretch. But looking around at all the guys who did move aside from, I guess, Richard Rodriguez, who was traded to the Braves. Mm -hmm. And I don't know if the pirates would have 
been happy trading him in the division. I kind of think they maybe wouldn't have been because he has control left too. And I don't know what the Braves gave up for him, but aside from him and Kimbrell, who is having a renaissance this year, but you would need to use, I think Kimbrell wants to be in the ninth inning, doesn't he? Isn't that going to be a mess yeah, in he Chicago? He's always hated not or pitching out of the save situation. And it's a Kimbrell thing. Yeah, I'm standing. I'm waiting to see how that goes, because I think Hendricks got the save on Sunday. So that's, you know, what could possibly go wrong with Tony La Russa managing a delicate situation of uh, <laughs> egos and whatever? Good God. Yeah, uh, did you see how mad he got the other night at literally nothing? Well, yeah, that's, that's I did. And thought. it was totally his thing. Yeah, and people were like praising how fast he was for being seventy-eight, but like, no, he's not. That's not. That's dumb. Lots of seventy-eight-year-old people are faster than that. He looked like he's ready to die. Oh, His knees uh, don't bend. And you're like, the pitcher and the batter were. I don't know if they had already like made up, where the pitcher like literally came over and said, "I'm sorry" to the batter. Yeah, like it was all done. Like he, but Larusa just like a bull into a china shop comes charging out there and just. <laughs> Yeah, time to escalate that shit. That's you know what it reminded me of. We're gonna get accused of ageism here, but it reminded me of the Don Zimmer thing where Pedro took oh, him and just dumped no. him. Just <laughs> yeah, oh, man. it reminded me of that because it was just like old man out of control. Like, <laughs> was the Costanza line like an old man trying to send back soup in a deli? <laughs> yep, that is it. Uh, great memories from my childhood for sure. All right, um, I guess. Getting back on track, was this enough? Did the Brewers do enough? I mean, you guys mentioned, obviously, the division lead is uh, just huge, right? So it's not like they were in an arms race like the NL West teams where they were constantly trying to outdo each other to try to get that division spot and avoid the wildcard play-in game. Like, barring some sort of historic 2014 collapse where safely assuming that the Brewers are going to win the Central Division, right? So this is more about adding depth and pieces for October than anything, right? Is there anything that they didn't address that they should have, Paul? I don't think so. This is kind of what you're looking for. They added pitching depth. They got another bat. And, uh, I mean, they weren't going to be in on Max Scherzer. That that was not going to happen for them. They're not going to get in a bidding war for that. And even if they did, they don't necessarily have the pieces to outbid people anyway. Um, but this is exactly what they needed to do. They got another power bat. They increased their bullpen depth, which was a, bit, a little bit lacking from previous deals and um, injuries and whatnot. And I, th- I think they're in great shape. The, the rotation's in great shape. Their bullpen, I think, is now solidified a bit, uh, especially when Cousins comes back, if Topa comes back and is okay. Um, and the lineup is just super deep with a lot of versatility. You can play a lot of different lineups. I think they're in phenomenal shape for the stretch run. Yeah, I think that last point is really important. They can do a lot of different things with this lineup. They can emphasize right-handedness. They can emphasize left-handedness. Mm-hmm. They can emphasize power. They can emphasize speed. They can go very heavy on defense if the the moment calls for it. And I think that the recent power spike we've seen out of Rowdy and just his overall goodness since coming to Milwaukee. <laughs> yeah, fun player. Yeah, I mean, it probably made them less worried about needing to add another corner bat. Like, I think they feel pretty good about Rowdy there, at least to the point where 
they're going to give him extended run now, no matter what. So if they brought somebody in, it would have just meant like if you brought in like CJ Cron, well, now you're going to be benching Rowdy. And I don't think they really wanted to do that. I think they want to give that a run and see. And if it doesn't work, they can reshuffle by the time we get to the end of the season. There is Vogelbach on the horizon, potentially. And there is Eduardo Escobar. I'm assuming they will give him more reps over there and let him get comfortable and (laughs) do a few things. And then that will probably go better. But he could be a guy that they play at first base down the road as well. There's a lot of different ways that this can go for them. So I, I think that, you know, what they did with the lineup is is really kind of the best they could do. It does sound like they checked in on Trevor's story. Mm-hmm. It does, according to the rumors, at least. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but I I do want to point out that I've been saying it since what, like January. Uh, yeah, you can. They're so it. dumb. The Rockies are dumb. We get it. Yeah, the Rockies are dumb, and they're predictably dumb. It's like, it's always you're right about that. Great. They're predictably dumb. You can rely on them to be dumb in a certain way. You're right about that. Always good when your star players quote after the trade deadline is what the hell are you? I, doing? I'm cute, confused, <laughs> and don't know what happened. So yeah, so that that that's great. Well, and he pulled himself out of the lineup on Friday night after the trade deadline. Like literally, amazing took out. and good for him, honestly. Yeah, he, he absolutely should. And it's just it's so stupid. They are just yeah. oh, they're useless. But anyway, uh, yeah, I I guess the other thing was that mention uh, i saw it in all the beat writers tweets about how the what was it exactly it was we don't play in the best location for yeah that was uh that was weird right it david stern sort of echoing uh the aaron Rodgers, uh <laughs> not exactly a vacation destination line or whatever it was right uh it, it, it was something to that effect. It was, you know, our geographical location may have worked against us or something like yep. something to that effect. So actually, yeah, diving a little bit deeper into that, he's got to be talking about Scherzer, right? Has to be. He had, he Probably. definitely had the Brewers on his no trade. So, yeah. So like they actually inquired about Max Scherzer and we're maybe maybe they just like dip their toe into the water we're told no he's not going to come there and they were like okay we won't even uh, you bother that's my guess on what happened is that they were doing their due diligence and checked in and they immediately were told uh go away and then Stearns got to say that and like deflect a little bit and yep from people right. that are mad about uh them not doing more or whatever that's smart it's also a little cynical but you know what there's there's a place for that kind of cynical garbage because they had a good trade deadline so if you want to like use that against people that somehow think you didn't do enough great have at it that's that's fine by my standard so whatever totally 100 on board all right one last thing about the trade deadline before i get to a couple of patreon questions uh did you guys want to dance on the grave of the cubs dynasty here oh absolutely (laughs) do i get get to go first go for it all right so um, the the Cubs sold off, and uh, everybody knows that. And um, the entire talk of the Cubs buildup and winning of the World Series, which you know they did do, was that this will be a dynasty for a while because they had a ton of controllable young stars, and also they're the Cubs, so they can actually pay people. Like they can keep it together for a long, run long away time. with the division the next five years. Don't yeah. even bother. Competing. They're in the third biggest market in the country and have tons of money and are a national brand that people love all over the place and just to see it fall apart 
so completely over um, kind of just a, a combination of uh, just evil, terrible ownership and bad timing and um, just a terrible valuation of their assets is really uh, uh, just a pleasure to see, I guess. Um, <laughs> well, and I, Paul. Yeah. We have played a vital role in ending that Cubs dynasty. Game 163 in 2018 ended their run of winning the division. That, that is 100% correct. And then 2019, they faded, and the Brewers did a big number on them in September and made sure that they completely missed the playoffs in 2019. Last year's a, a weird one just because it was such a short season and all of that. But it is worth noting they did win the division last year. <laughs> right. One, one, it, it was a weird year. Worse, it was a right? short year, but they did do it and made the playoffs and and everything like that happened very recently. <laughs> yeah, but I think they understood that that was not like a super important thing long term. I just I kind of disagree with this um, to some extent right here. So, um, I, you know, I, I was pointing out earlier in earlier podcasts like they they haven't played any of the easy parts of their schedule yet, and most of their wounds going into now are completely self-inflicted um you know gutting their pitching staff to save not that much money is self-inflicted and playing eric sogard for a bunch of time is self-inflicted they didn't have to do any of this this is all uh, this is all not i know cubs fans think it's planned to save money it kind of is but um they could still have this dynasty going right now with all of those players for not that much more money than they have at the moment and be in the running with the Brewers if they just would have played it a little bit differently. And I I don't think it's fair to say that last year was not a fair representation of how good they were because they have a bunch of, uh, not anymore, they had a bunch of really good players. (laughs) They had a bunch of superstar players. Uh, When when teams sell off, it's usually in the waning days. Their stars are getting older. Their depth is lacking. Um, and, you know, you sometimes have a hard time finding trading partners because their guys are going to be on like 32, 33 and decline phases are coming. None of that's true with any of these people. Uh, no. Everybody they traded is still in the prime of their careers and still likely to be good for many years. And there were so many of them like Baez and Rizzo and Bryant uh, are all like going to be good for a while here. You usually don't see sell offs of this many good players all at once. Um, and they didn't really get anything back for them. They and, got, yeah. like, mid-level prospects. They did, would, okay. they did okay. Universal, fine, like... universal on this is that they they didn't do great. I would say that the consensus is that they did okay, but not great. Well, they weren't trading away anybody with more than a year. They they were trading away pure rentals in every That's case. Fine. So you're not yeah. you're not going to get like a huge return. But the guy they got back from San Francisco, uh, I've heard a lot of good things about. And I guess the guy from the Mets, Pete Crow Armstrong, not such a high ceiling, but decent. Uh, I'm trying to remember who the other guy was. There, there was another player that people thought was pretty decent. Oh, the Rizzo return was viewed as okay. being relatively good. I, this is tricky. Part of it was they had all these guys set up to expire at the same time. And Which is a failing in itself. Right. They like, should have too. been extending some of these guys <laughs> earlier, though. Yes, like, they should have. Well, so but they shot themselves in the foot with Bryant by bringing him up, you know, 
on the exact date that they could to get every yeah. single last moment of control out of him. And then they made it very clear from the start where he was going to stand with them. And that just kind of soured the, the pool from the start. Yeah, though, I think there's also I think people have known for a while Chris Bryant wanted to get back to the West Coast for his third. Well, sure. I mean, he's going to sign with the Dodgers this winter. It's fine. Yeah. Everybody well, no, he's going to he's going to resign with the Giants. <laughs> he he grew up a Giants fan and he okay. there was a quote okay, already fine. out there saying uh, that, oh, my wife and I, we always knew we were going to end up in San Francisco eventually. So everybody there is already licking their chops that he's going to sign an extension. But they also just like Bryant was hurt and had some really down years in the last few yeah, years. I feel like they jerked him around with the position switching, too. I know he's versatile, but uh, I think he would have benefited from having a default position at some point, which he really didn't ever have. It would have helped, but I still think like the shoulder injuries that he had definitely contributed to some down years offensively for him sure. from the point that he was. And Javier Baez is a very flawed player. He's very... Oh, yeah. I mean... 100%. And so, like, do you really want to... make wanna, fun of him a lot. Right. Do you really want to give Javi Baez, like, what he probably deserves, which is, like, $150 million? Because even though with all the flaws, there's still a ton of talent there. He has shown the offense and flashes, and the defensive floor is insanely high. You're the Cubs. You should pay him. Like, people talk... I've made that something. People thing. call him El Mago and um, <laughs> love him and have his jerseys and talk about his stupid yeah. tagging. Uh, right, but... They should <laughs> give him money. They, from one perspective, they should, but like, would you want to do that for your team? Would you want to build your, your next generation around him for the next seven, eight years? I mean, I think the point is like, you could, the Cubs could give Javi Baez $150 million to be their fourth best player, and it shouldn't be an issue. And also, if you <laughs> and watch him strike if, out 250 times a year. If you're a big, huge, um, big market franchise, you can also hire some coaches to cut down on the strikeouts and, get the walks up a little bit too right. that's allowed You're, you would think if he was gonna change he would have done that by now maybe on a better team he would have done that by now but also the other thing too is like with rizzo he's already well into his 30s uh kimbrell's already well into his 30s so you're getting rid of guys there that the, the kimbrell thing I, I think is more defensible for sure and in a vacuum, if you were moving on from Rizzo because he's, you know, a first baseman is older and limited, fine too. But combined with everybody else, it just looks terrible. Like trading everybody on the same day, yeah, basically is just a really bad look. And I think it's the culmination of a few years of these decisions where it's like, why are you not acting like the Dodgers or the Yankees when? For all intents and purposes, you so, should, right? They had I know, no interest in Manny Machado. They had no interest in Bryce Harper. Like, it's really four years of mishandling everything. Yeah. Really quick, we all, we're ripping on the – this is the Cubs portion of the show, and we should absolutely <laughs> rip on them. However, whatever the Cubs did is way smarter than what the Cardinals did. So, um, props, <laughs> yeah, to, that's the, true. props to the Cubs for not being the I dumbest team that. in the division. Because the Cardinals suddenly the, buying. The Cardinals weird. bought bad players? Which is the, <laughs> which is the dumbest thing you could being out of it and buying good players makes you maybe better like and fun maybe fun maybe people come to see you um, being out of it and buying shitty players is just I don't know hilarious I guess yeah but they like didn't give up anything what did they what they give up John Gant okay like, fine they didn't give up very much but what did they get old lefties who cares <laughs> yeah why would don't do I'm don't bother. Watch John Lester again that's the main thing that did yeah but yeah that, that is faster weird. now I can torture him that might be fun actually but 
Um, <laughs> but like, what are they doing? They should be selling. They, they shouldn't be. They should not be buying anything. They're out of it. Did they have expiring contracts? I'm trying to think. I mean, you could trade Yachty and Wayno. You you should trade Yachty. Well, (laughs) that's that gets into the whole thing. They were in on story. They were looking to acquire him. Right. I think (laughs) for a rental. Part of it though, they're trying to make sure Arenado opts in because can't he opt out after this year? And they're kind of worried about that. So I mean, maybe you put up a, a a just some sort of weird defense. We're like, hey, we're trying. I have no idea how even far back they are in the wild card. It's probably even further back than they are in the it's central, like, right? Oh, so, yeah. I like, guess I don't know. I don't know the wild card, but it's not. They're not close. They're not gonna. They're not gonna catch the West teams. Like, no, yeah, on. you're not p- catching the the worst <laughs> of the Giants and Padres and Dodgers. That's probably not gonna happen. So, yeah. Before we completely move on, I did want to bring up something I've been talking about on Twitter a little bit because it just blows my mind. Uh, the Brewers are now leading all of Major League Baseball in runs allowed per game. Did you guys see this? Yeah, I did. And, and they are. The idea of that still strikes me as just completely anathema <laughs> to everything my entire Brewers history. Like it's... every instinct that I have, no, Brewers hit dingers. They can't pitch. You, you have to go. Our get entire lifetimes have been predicated on the premise that the Brewers cannot pitch, yep. right? <laughs> and now they have three Scion contenders all on the same team. And like just a bunch of other good, useful arms surrounding it, too, including yeah. some great yeah. bullpen pitchers as well. So they just are absolutely loaded. And it it really does blow my mind. I can't quite get over the fact that like and then I look at the teams that are up there with us and it's the Dodgers, you know, because they're awesome. And they also play in a pitcher's park yeah. and uh, the Giants, who I guess aren't in as much of a pitcher's park anymore, but still they're having an awesome season. And you're like, how is this even, how is this even happening? It just completely in the Mets, also a pitcher's park. So mm-hmm. it is just wild. And I absolutely love it though. <laughs> it all feels like weirdly unreliable. Like you keep waiting for like to wake up out of the, the wonderful We're dream. All waiting for the other shoe to drop. Right. We it's are going to be, like I'm yep, terrified I'm, still. It's I'm the criticizing. NLDS with I'm criticizing starters for any bad inning going forward, just to keep the anti jinx going. <laughs> so. There you go, there you go, and then maybe you'll ward off the disaster performance in the That's NLDS right. where they get swept out and give up 25 runs. It's, that is the yeah. goal. Well, <laughs> Brad Anderson in his last two outings is what uh, 11 and a third innings of one run ball. <laughs> I mean, half of that again is the Pirates, but like, <laughs> still, we do I mean, the, the Sunday game yeah, yeah. against the Braves. Yeah, did that's, a nice job against the Braves. That is true. Yes, yes. there's good. Okay, uh, so we mentioned the bullpen. We, let's get to our Patreon questions because we do have a couple uh, kind of focused on what the Brewers did and specifically the bullpen. So our first question comes from Jeffrey Carroll. Uh, Jeff's asking, when it comes to adding or trading for middle relief pitching, what makes the Brewers so good at evaluating and getting the most out of those acquisitions? Ryan, it, what do the Brewers see in these guys that seems like more often than not lately, they come up as really good additions? I think they're looking at everything in a way that maybe uh, teams haven't done so much before. Like they seem to really like guys with different arm slots in different angles. You get the Eric Yardley side armor, the Claudio side arming. They like to have different guys who do different things. 
And then they're willing to work with them on shaping what they do. So accentuating their best pitches that they throw, uh, shelving the stuff that doesn't work, and just generally sort of building up a profile and then putting them in a position to succeed with a manager who generally knows how to do this stuff and, you know, keep them healthy and keep them uh, facing generally good matchups so that they're not asked to do something that they really aren't capable of doing. And... Just rotate through a bunch of the guys and don't let other teams get super familiar with anybody but your very best guys. Um, I I think it is also just on a technical level, they're very good at picking out uh, individual aspects of pitchers. I I would love to have access to their database of all the fields and categories they have that categorize all the pitchers across baseball. And they're very good at picking out anomalies um, and very good at picking out strengths and weaknesses amongst available players. I, I think, um, I, I mean, I'm sure all teams have their databases and their stack crunchers, but they seem very adept at identifying anomalies because they they seem to be more creative. And that, I think, is a thing that can get lost in statistical analytics a lot is it's easy to just put together a spreadsheet and rank people based on, you know, whatever, your any category you pick. It's a, a much bigger thing to be able to pick out meaningful changes and um, you know the things that you are able to fix, the things that you are useful to that aren't useful to other people. And they seem just really great at that. Uh, so I, I think they have a very creative front office in addition to a smart one. And that's that really helps in middle relief where you can, you can pick out a few traits that are useful. Um, and as long as you can identify those, you know, you can kind of punt on the rest of the profile. So that's what they're good at, and that's why they're good at it. Yeah, I mean, we've definitely seen consistently just finding like those under the radar guys that we, but, you know, we sit here with these post deadline shows or whatever, and we talk about it. But like, it's hard to maybe see sometimes exactly what the Brewers saw, but it kind of becomes evident by the end of the year, right? That's so. it. Like, it, it, as soon as they pick a guy up, you all. We all start picking through it. They're like, okay, what are they? What are they going for here? Um, what's in this profile that makes them attractive? And usually, you can find it if you look hard enough. And I think Pomerantz kind of was the quintessential example of that. And I think we'll end up seeing it with Norris this year too. Yeah, absolutely. All right, we got another Patreon question from Vinny Cornels about the bullpen. Vinny's asking, did the Brewers do enough for the bullpen specifically? Do you think they will have a designated seventh inning guy or a revolving door in the seventh? Uh, Ryan, what are your thoughts on that? You know, obviously it seems like Devin Williams and Josh Hader pretty well locked down in the eighth and the ninth. Did they add somebody to kind of take that seventh? Is that John Curtis or do they kind of keep just playing matchups here? No, they're going to go with revolving door matchups and maybe somebody will establish themselves as being so good that they just want to continue using them but I don't think they're going to force that and I don't think they need to I think they're better off mixing and matching and finding a bunch of different ways to get to the end of the game based on circumstance and based on you know what the the lineup that they're facing looks like where they are in that lineup all of those factors Mm -hmm. so I would not expect them to just designate somebody as a seventh inning guy nor would I want them to yeah, I, I think for the Brewers, innings designations are ways to make players happy more than a strategic thing that they look for. And uh, they, they play they put Hader in the closer role. I, I legitimately think partially to appease him in arbitration. Um, honestly, I think that's true. Um, and and it, it happens to coincide 
with how they want to limit his usage. So they're happy to do that. It's, it's a happy accident for them. They can make the player happy. They can keep him relatively fresh. But aside from the actual save statistic, I, that's just not going to be how they operate. Uh, you know, somebody might come along and just dominate and happen to be available in the eighth to, as a setup man. And maybe somebody cares about holds, but that's just not going to be how they operate. They're going to look at platoon splits and they're going to go with just the order of operations on, um, you know, who their best relievers are and the leverage that's out there. And that's how they manage everything except the ninth. And they're going to keep doing that. Um, and also, you know, Devin looks like he might be back too. So um, you, you got that to work with too. He's been, he's been good of late and that's also nice to see. Yeah, I mean, if Devin Williams is the Devin Williams we saw last year, you have absolutely no problem throwing him whatever the matchup is in whatever situation late in a game. Like, just the same way that you don't worry about Hater, like, which part of the lineup is it? Who's It makes no difference. You want Hater yeah. shutting it down. The other thing I think I've mentioned on here, but maybe not, watch for it because I would bet you that by the middle of September, you will start to see council using Josh Hader less often for longer. I bet you you start seeing Josh Hader going multiple innings down the stretch in September, and I bet you see them starting to do that heading into the postseason. I think that we're going to see them manage things differently in that time period of the season, and I just a feeling that I'm getting, and I think that they've done a good job of limiting haters' usage to this point. He just had this, what, 11-day break in the middle of the right. season yep, uh, right. where they just didn't need him, and I think that they have successfully kept him fresh, and I think that Josh Hader will have absolutely no problem going, oh, yeah, I'd love to be a shutdown guy for you know two and a third innings in the postseason. Like his, That is not a problem to him in any way, shape, or form. He'll be happy to do that yep. as long as it's watched carefully and of course because craig always does it'll be watched carefully and they will be looking out for his long-term interests but also i bet you we start to see more of that classic hater usage and maybe some of that from williams too down the stretch so just wait for that kind of stretching out your closer for the postseason Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, that would make sense, right? You don't want the first time you do that to be elimination game against the Dodgers, right? True. So mm -hmm. <laughs> you want to maybe ease them into that. So that makes a lot of sense for sure. Um, I guess something that's kind of tested the bullpen depth in the last week or so, maybe really good thing that uh, the Brewers added to relievers. Maybe it's related. Who knows? But uh, in the last week, we saw Christian Yelich, Hunter Strickland, Jake Cousins all land on the COVID list in the past week. Uh, obviously, you know, aside from just being a reminder, kind of like, hey, we're not quite out of this thing yet. Uh, I, I guess, Paul, does this worry you at all from the baseball perspective Like no. in the second half of the season? Like any anything at all like that? The only thing I have on this is I, I am annoyed that um, baseball has continued to test the vaccinated players because uh, it's uh, it's not. Oh, I, I think that so I have to retract this because we actually talked to people in baseball about this. Baseball does not actually uh, test uh, asymptomatic vaccinated players. Yelich was showing symptoms, and I think we have contact tracing going on around that too. Mm -hmm. um, but th the fact of the matter is, if you're vaccinated, you're going to be fine. And even with the Delta variant, while it is more spreadable than before, it's if you're vaccinated, it really doesn't spread that much from person to person either. The, uh, the, the spreadability from an unvaccinated person getting the Delta variant 
they will on average put it to six other people for a vaccinated person it's far less than that it's under one which is where you want it to be remember the early days of the pandemic we talked about that number a lot um so i don't think it's anything to worry about the brewers are a highly vaccinated team um they do all have the johnson and johnson shot which is unfortunately the less effective shot uh it still will stop you from dying and suffering from severe symptoms but it's not as good as the mRNA vaccines. Um, a lot just on, by the way, on the vaccine front, um, there's a lot of talk about mRNA boosters being available to the J and J folks going forward. That might happen sometime in the future, but it's still an effective vaccine. So, um, I don't think we have to be that worried. The Brewers are a good franchise here. Um, and they've taken care of business on getting vaccinated for the most part. They do not have a huge unvaccinated population like some other teams do. And, um, you know, they're getting hit with it now a little bit. There was some symptomatic people. Um, they'll be fine. But um, they should be okay for the playoffs. Uh, they've they've been responsible, and I think that they'll be rewarded for it when it's all said and done. Yeah. Ryan, any thoughts on just kind of the sudden burst that we've seen in the last week, at least with the Brewers? Any concerns going forward? Yeah, there's always going to be concerns, especially you don't know who's not vaccinated and how that's actually going to play out. We're seeing more and more breakthroughs, though, again, like Paul said, the breakthroughs are almost entirely not even just not fatal, but also not hospitalized. So it's an incredibly effective thing, though, like you said, the Johnson & Johnson is less effective. Yeah, just really quick on the breakthroughs, too, like... um when you are vaccinated, you can get COVID. Like it doesn't stop you from picking up the disease. It stops the symptoms from manifesting. Like uh, it, the way vaccines work is they trigger your immune system to respond to a disease inside your body. And the testing that we've developed for COVID is actually extremely sensitive. It actually picks up the disease pre-antibody now. That's mm-hmm. the uh, PCF or PFC. I can't remember what the order is. Uh, the test is incredibly sensitive. So especially in in high like um, viewability situations like sports, government, places where they're doing a lot of testing just to be extra safe, you're going to see more breakthrough cases because they're paying attention more heavily to them. In society, in most cases like this, nobody would even be bothered to report any of this. It's, mm-hmm. it's you know, a cold or less for most people. So. Right. So basically, get your shots and yep, the brewers, the fact that they have mostly been vaccinated is a positive and they shouldn't do anything to to super derail the season fingers crossed so yeah you just hope nobody develops the the really bad eduardo escobar type situation which again that happened before the vaccine Mm -hmm. so hopefully that is much less common now we also have uh plenty of other patreon questions to get to this week this one comes from Adam Post. He's asking, what did the Brewers do with Big Dan and Travis Shaw when they completed their rehab assignments? Hard to see room for either on the active roster. I know you guys kind of casually mentioned Big Dan earlier. I guess, Paul, it, is there room for one or both of them on this roster now? I don't think there really is. The Brewers are really good at juggling these kinds of things with low-level options, with fake well, I'm not going to say fake injuries. That's probably libelous, but extended injury time, just being able to stash people around. But at some point, like the playoffs will come around and push will come to shove and they'll have to make hard decisions. And I I think um, with Escobar's addition, I suspect Travis Shaw's time is maybe the most limited 
um, because yeah. he's been quite bad, and now his position is between Urias and Escobar extremely filled, <laughs> and he's not going to add anything at first base with Rowdy. So I don't think Dan's necessarily – I'm not going to call Dan being off the team because I've done it like 20 times, and I've been wrong every time. <laughs> and he might squeak through. Like He's at least a decent lefty bat, and um, it's, it's possible that they'll be able to squeak him through. But I think Travis Shaw's days are absolutely numbered at this point. And it'll be hard to keep both of them. They're just they're a very deep lineup now. And uh, if you're not versatile and and providing offense, it's going to be really hard to stay on the roster. But I think Shaw is almost definitely cooked. Yeah, I would agree with that. As much as I like Travis Shaw and don't particularly want to see him go, there just really probably isn't a place for him. And he would be better off if the Brewers. I mean, maybe he's willing to go to AAA and just serve as insurance and be on the postseason dugout. Yeah. You know, all that kind of stuff. Who knows what he, he wants to do? I would imagine he probably would like to get on another team and play it out in September and maybe set up a platform for next year to getting back out there because he's far from done career-wise, I would hope. So, But yeah, Big Dan, we already talked about that a little bit earlier. I think that he has basically been usurped by Rowdy, who is just like yep. better than him uh, marginally in like every way. So, I And really has shown the power... Uh, to an extent that we never really saw from Big Dan. Big Dan always weirdly was more of a uh, a line to line hitter, not I'm gonna say a slap hitter, but like <laughs> I, I was gonna say a slap hitter just for the record. I mean, it was weird how he came to Milwaukee and just started like slicing yeah, it the other way, it the other way, the which is not yeah. I don't know, but yeah, it, I think it, he led last season in Rock saying that's a nice piece of hitting, which is not. <laughs> a good- he not did. a good place to be. And Rock always sounded mystified by it. Like, oh, yeah. that big guy just like hit a ball the other way. Good. Right. Like he he always he never quite got over the surprise of it every single time. So, yeah, I think he's l- probably uh, done for. But, you know, Milwaukee, fret not. You've still got your your big beefy rowdy. So you do. I got uh, you, you know, one. Yeah. <laughs> Before we go on. I did want to point out that, uh, and I did post this on Twitter, but at the White Sox game last Sunday night, a week ago, I did see a Rowdy Tellez authentic jersey in the uh, in the upper deck. So somebody was that already is a quick turnaround. Yeah, that is fast. That's what I said. I'm like, Excuse you me. had to have had that special made because <laughs> absolutely. <laughs> it had, I don't think it had even been like. Did three you do weeks the stitching yourself on that? Because that is quick. He went down and got it from uh, Migliaccio himself. (laughs) (laughs) Color me impressed. Oh, man, that's amazing. All right, uh, moving on. We've got a two-for-one deal with Jay Google here. Uh, Jay's first question. If the division lead keeps extending, what's the Brewers' best strategy going forward with arms, whether that's keep the six-man, skipping starts, piggybacking? Uh, Paul, how do you think they handle this down the stretch, especially since they do kind of have that cushion to work with? So I don't think you'll see them mess with actual starts too much. They'll want to keep people on a rhythm. Um, I, I think they'll keep the six man because it spaces them out enough that they save on innings, which is what they want to do. I think you might see um, starts get shortened up a bit. Um, but they, here's the thing. They want to preserve their bullpen too. So you're, you're doing a balance here. You want to have Burns, Woodruff, and Peralta as good as they can be for the playoffs. So you don't want to tax them. Um, you need your bullpen also good for the playoffs. So you might see a little more punting on games. Um, you might see the the middle relief guys worked a little bit harder, um, but I, I don't. You might see you might see the occasional skip start for just a you know a little bit of extra rest. But I don't see, think you'll see anything too drastic. 
And it's not like they're going to stop trying to win games. You know, they're really good at playing the percentages in games. And, you know, Craig is good at punting when it's out of hand and in blowouts, kind of doing the same thing. So you might see just a little more extreme version of that. But I don't think anything too drastic aside from that. So maybe you skip a start to keep a guy a little healthier. But I think mostly it'll be just resting guys strategically with some more aggressiveness than you would normally see. I think I'm anticipating more skipped starts than you are. You probably are. I will say I value rhythm a lot. I think that when guys do miss too much time that they really do get off and you don't want that going into the playoffs. If you're going to do it, I would do it now. But uh, you might you might be right. Like you do want to save wear and tear for sure. Well, I think probably what you're going to see is a phantom IL stint or two where a guy basically goes on the phantom and we're probably going to see that and people are going to freak out and I don't think it's necessarily warranted. I think we may have seen that with Devin Williams just now where I, I, I'm not going to say it was a complete phantom injury. He clearly had something, but I think they were just like, you know what? You take a break and we're just going to let you rest. We're going to keep you fresh. And I think we are going to see that. And I do value the rhythm thing, Paul. I think it does matter, but I think there are ways that they can do this. First off, I think that you want to have everybody making kind of regular starts three to four turns before you get to the postseason. So three to like, so like early to mid September, around September 10th, you'd like to have it kind of laid out where you know when those guys are going to throw and that. But I think in the interim, once you get into late August and especially maybe that first week in September, when you can call up a few extra pitchers. Remember now we can't do what we used to do. There's no more (laughs) Craig Tember. Huge bummer. Yeah. But you could still call up a couple extra guys, and I would assume that you're going to do that along with their normal running through of guys, you know, changing through, running, all that stuff. So I think you're going to see that as well. And I do think you're going to see multiple skip starts from each of them. I would be surprised. Uh, Somebody did the math the other day and said they had 10 starts each. The big three all had 10 starts left, and that would be now down to nine after this last weekend. I would be surprised if any of them made more than seven between now and the end of the season. I I think they will find ways to skip them here and there. And I I especially think we're going to see the shortened starts. That is going to be a big thing. And they'll piggyback guys. They'll use Adrian Hauser and Lauer and maybe Ethan Small and Aaron Ashby, guys like that. They will use them to cover bulk innings and then rotate them out and bring in the next guy. And, you know, the the same machinations we've been watching David Stearns do for, you know, four years now. Indeed. Yeah, it makes a lot of sense. And, you know, just kind of maybe picking your spots over the next month, right? Like, does Freddie Peralta really need to start against the Pirates this week? Eh, you know, <laughs> I don't know. Uh, so, yeah, it, it'll be interesting for sure to see how they handle that. All right. Jay's second question has to do with Christian Yelich. So, as you know, he's been on the COVID IL while he experienced symptoms. But when he does come back, uh, Jay's question is, do you think they keep Yelich in the two spot or maybe let him hit lead off a little bit, change things up now that the lineup's gotten deeper? This is actually an idea I've kind of seen floating out there a little bit, uh, even before Yelich went on the IL. Uh, you know, I know you guys aren't huge believers in lineup order, but the fact that uh, he's getting on base but not slugging, does that make him a good leadoff hitter, Paul? So I would actually move him to leadoff. And it, I don't think it matters that much for overall run production, who hits where. But if he's going to be this guy, 
that that's the ideal spot for him. And um, he's already taking, he's doing the things you want leadoff hitters to do. He's taking a lot of pitches. He's get, he's showing the lineup where things are going to land, what the guy has stuff wise. And it might actually help him because facing a leadoff hitter is its own thing too. Like we, we talk about this, like people are robots and saber metric community that everybody hits the same and leadoff hitters, not special well, kind of is that you need the on base percentage there, but um, the, the job of the guy being a little different um, is, is kind of nonsense, but everybody believes it. And the job of the pitcher to avoid doing that, to actually not show off what he's doing and, and nibble and walk him is its own thing too. So if you put him in a situation, if you put him in the leadoff spot and you make his role, all right, go take pitches, go get, go draw that walk. And you, you put him so that the pitcher is thinking the opposite because of the role, not because of Yelich, you might actually help him out. So um, it's it's not much, but it, I don't see any downside to it. As long as he's going to get on base, put him there, and it might actually wake him up a little bit too. I was going to kind of jump off on that point and say, I think that is really worth a try to see yeah, if maybe is. taking him out of a position where he's expected to hit for more power might not actually you know, inversely unlock some power that by getting him not thinking about it, by just having him concentrating on, hey, get on base, have good at bats, drive the ball when you get something to hit, but yeah. take that pressure to be that that middle of the order run producer off of him. and Get on for Willie. <laughs> right, and not even that he is or that he should be thinking that because that's, I think we all agree, that's kind of old-fashioned sort of thinking, but he probably is thinking it because yeah. that's the way baseball sort of been accultured. And like, so get him out of that mindset a little bit. And I will say the chances of this working are really high because starting, I think in early 2023 in OOTP, I moved Yelich up to the front of the Brewers order <laughs> oh, God. and it, it absolutely did work in terms of unlocking some power. He had like a, a good 25 home run season, I think in either 23 or 24 and oh, it's, it's worked out great. So if it works in OOTP, <laughs> right, it yeah, must yeah. work in real life. So yeah, that's right. The OOTP seal of approval. There it is. It's definitely not a glitch in the game that the leadoff hitters always end up with 30 home runs. It's fine. It's good. <laughs> All right. I guess uh, speaking of uh, kind of turning the lineup around, Jeffrey Carroll, we got another question from him. He's uh, kind of, he did the math for us, which is great. Thank you, <laughs> Jeffrey. Uh, so we don't have to look this up ourselves. Uh, it's not that we're lazy. We just really appreciate that you put the legwork into this question. So, I'm lazy. Uh Sure. I I was trying to be nice to ourselves, but, uh, you know, we do prepare a a slight bit for this. Anyway, uh, Jeffrey is pointing out uh, how the the Brewers team batting average has kind of improved since late May, Mm -hmm. kind of coinciding with the, you know, the trade of Willie Adamas, as everybody's kind of talked about. But since then, uh, I guess on May 22nd, team batting average was 241 tied for 19th in the majors uh as of uh july 15th i guess we're up to 290 now uh best in all of majors oh that's since july since since july or or whatever yeah yeah since july 15th 15th. they're the best in the majors in terms of bad got it i read that wrong yep but i mean basically yeah they've been tearing the cover off the ball since july 15th if you want to go oh that's most of the pirates i wouldn't blame you <laughs> since july 1st i'll do that uh, no, they're they're 265 tied for more 
fourth in the majors. So, I mean, at the very least, since the start of this month, this past month or so, I guess we're in August now, technically, right? Uh, so over the last month, the Brewers really started hitting a lot. And Jeffrey's question here is, obviously, Adamas has been a big part of that. But what's the biggest reason that things have kind of turned around here, Paul? What have you seen in the last month? Um, They have better players. I mean, it, that's I mean, true, right? Like, they've they've changed quite a bit. Yeah, first of all, just I, I've been checking this statistic while we've been talking, and their batting, their team batting average is still pretty bad. It's uh, it, it overall their batting average is two twenty nine as a team, which is twenty uh, seventh in the league. So it's still not great. Um, but th- they've obviously been better since they've added Willie, and it it's really just a matter of of better players and playing the Pirates and the Rockies <laughs> and the Diamondbacks. Honestly, uh, I mean, I would love to say that there's some big team change that's happened. Um, and there is it, like they, they do have better players playing for them now. Some some regression for Jackie Bradley Jr. Just a hair a little bit. That helps. Um, but like it, it's really just that like they, they added Willie, who is better. Um, they've added some new people. Rowdy is hitting. That's good. Um, and replacing Travis Shaw, who's bad. Um, a, a lot of bad hitters have left the lineup and good hitters have come in. They've they've beaten up against some garbage teams that's it that's all it comes down to plus these are all small sample sizes like this can fluctuate it's batting average this fluctuates this fluctuates i hate talking about it because it goes up (laughs) and down it's not even in your control most of the time if they play in a small park with great defenders then it'll go down and that that's just how that is so um it this is this is mostly randomness plus better players that's it yeah, I want to focus in on the better players part of this because I don't think aside from Urias got a lot better when Adamas came in and obviously Adamas uh, is the addition there. But for the most part, it's been they haven't been giving as many plate appearances to the Keston Heroes and the Jackie Bradley Juniors of the world. And they've been giving more plate appearances to Tyrone Taylor and they've yeah. been giving more plate appearances to well, Adama since he got here, and Rowdy Tellez, and uh, Jace Peterson had that run there for a while where he was doing very well, and so that gave them a boost. And this is kind of how the, the, the Stearns Council group operates. They get guys in, and they kind of sift through and decide what's uh, what works and what doesn't. Was this the old uh, sifting and winnowing thing from your alma mater there, Paul? That's right. Like, you go through and you kind of figure out what works and what doesn't. And by the end of the year, I think this has been an underrated part of why they've been so good in September is that they've kind of decided, okay, these are our guys, at least for right now, this is what we're going to roll with. And they've usually by that point gotten kind of a lot of the, uh, the chaff out and are left with mostly wheat, or I guess in this case, barley. I don't know. So I don't know how far (laughs) I want to take this metaphor, but (laughs) anyway, you get the point. Like this is kind of how they operate. And, I don't know why we would be surprised. I'm not really surprised. I think this is part of the thing. And I think it's something that we really do need to bear in mind every single April, May, June, as long as these guys are running the club, that this is what it's going to be like. We're, we're trying to figure things out. And if come stretch time, uh, a guy is not performing, they're going to find some way to minimize him or get him out completely. Yep. And that's just how they operate and that's how they've operated since we've been there. So we should have just expected this and it, it's working like it, it has. So thumbs up for me. Agreed. 
I'm gonna vote for left with mostly wheat for the episode title. That's that's just my vote vote here. <laughs> anyway, okay, moving on. Uh, Brady Steinberg has a question that I think uh, maybe is a luxury afforded to the Brewers considering their standing in the division. Uh, but Brady's question here is: Which spot do you think the Brewers would prefer to be in? The two or three seed and go against the Mets and the NLDS, or get the one seed face off against the winner of the NL West wild card game. We're already jockeying for playoff position here, Paul, like it's the NFL. What what's your thought? Who would you, you rather face? You here? know the answer to this already, Brady. You want the Mets. So, um, <laughs> you know, it's always nice to be the one seed. Um just I I don't know if you can't really hang a banner on it, but um that's the thing. Brewers you, might. That's the thing. Know. You can't hang a banner on being the one seed. It's not a big deal. So I'm a 2020 wildcard banner. They'll hang a banner so... on anything. But yeah, you want the Mets because the Mets aren't as good. Uh, everybody in the West is the best team and the Mets are kind of crappy. So yeah, you want to face them in round one. That is what you got. want. Simple answer. Um, you want the East. The West is bad. You, you don't want to face the West. They're really good. You don't want any part of that. Go for the Mets. Okay. I generally agree with most of what you said, but I yes. think there Ooh. is a case there no, is, is Ryan going to make the case I was going to make? Go for it. Yeah, I there's a case to be made that if the oh, Dodgers goodness. do not win the division, that the Dodgers end up being the uh, the four or the five seed. So they're playing in the in the wild card round. Okay, that you would be better served potentially to get them in the best of five series because playing the Dodgers in a best of five is better than playing the Dodgers in a best of seven. And if you're probably going to have to go through them anyway. Yeah, that's where you're wrong. Is that, though. Is that the, the flaw in my logic? It is the flaw in your logic. Because if they have to play an extra round not against you, then they get eliminated. And I, 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 correct me if I'm wrong, but you don't want to play the Dodgers specifically. Like the other West teams right. are good, but the Dodgers are really, really, really good, especially after trade deadline time. Mm-hmm. They're already they're coming into this with a plus one sixty five run differential, which is fifty <laughs> runs better than anybody else in the West. And they just added um, Scherzer and Trey Turner, right? My, mm-hmm. Yes. Um, and so you want the Giants or the Padres to take them out for you and then play them later on. That's what you want to have happen. That would yeah, but you can't count on that happening. So well, that's, you can't count on anything happening, right? But that's, that's the tricky part. Well, I'm sorry, crapshoot, right? It so is. I would, I, would, I don't want I to play s- the Dodgers in a five-game series. The Dodgers ha- are stacked everywhere. That yeah, yes, you are better against them in a five-game than a seven-game series, right? Sure, but uh, I would rather the, the benefits to not playing them at all are huge. So you want the you want the opportunity to not play them at all as much as possible well and there is another factor i need to double check this but i believe don't the brewers end the season with the dodgers i believe their mm. last Ooh. series of the season is i'm gonna I'm, I'm double checking it right now you. you're saying the brewers have a chance to tank the last series of the season to ensure they do not face them again right away in the first round of the playoffs uh, apparently that was incorrect. Bad information that I got. Oh, nope, it's not. Never mind. Yeah, it's true. <laughs> it is true. Los Angeles for the last three games. I was going to say, I remember the, the end of the year being tough. You, I, I remember wanting to, uh, yeah, they could probably pick their opponent. Before. That's crazy. <laughs> yeah. There you go. By the way, we do have the Cardinals, uh, in the last, uh, month of the season, we have the Cardinals for 10 games. So there's that. Also, the See, final Cubs series nervous. of the year. 
See, maybe that's why the Cardinals bought. They thought they they could uh, make up some huge ground against the Brewers in September. Uh-huh. There you go. John Lester's going to carry right. them to a division title. Cardinals devil magic. magic. It It's going to happen. Y'all are looking at me like I'm crazy. Anyway. <laughs> uh, stupid. Yeah. Okay. So Cardinal devil magic is done because they're stupid now. They're a dumb franchise. Dumb. I mean, you, you, they're not that dumb. They did just trade dumb. Arenado for nothing. Or they got Eric Nolan Arenado for nothing. And granted, that's more about the Rockies being stupid than them being smart. Right. But they did get Nolan Arenado for nothing. They found one of the few stupider teams, yeah. right? Yeah. <laughs> anyway. Okay. Uh, one last Patreon question here before we wrap things up this week. It comes from Kevin Kundinger. Uh, he's asking, with news that Jacob deGrom will be out until the end of August, what are the chances of a Brewer winning the Cy Young? So I think we maybe danced around this topic a couple of times. Uh, Ryan, what are your thoughts? If DeGrom's out of the picture, is there a Brewer pitcher that kind of comes to the forefront? I mean, I think they have an excellent chance because they have th- literally three of the possible, like, what, five guys who it could be besides it'd be those three, Jacob DeGrom and uh, Kevin Gaussman. Like, those are the guys, yeah, right? Probably, yeah, probably. Right. So, yeah, they'd have an excellent chance. And I don't buy the thing about uh, votes canceling out because it's not nearly as provincial as it used to be. That used to be a thing with the BBWA, and it's not like that anymore. It'll generally just go to the best pitcher, the guy who's having the best season. And I would take them, uh, Woodruff, Burns, Peralta in that order, just because I think they're going to limit the innings, especially of Peralta, but also I think somewhat of Burns and obviously mm-hmm. to a degree, at least Woodruff. Uh, so they're not going to get quite the the total value, which has been important in this Cy Young race in recent years. They really do look at innings and like to see guys who, who uh, chew value. But I mean, if one of them has an absolutely fantastic close to the season, even with some off days and with fewer yeah. innings, who knows? It, we have seen it go the other way, too. Was it Blake Snell in uh, a couple of years ago for the Rays? Got it with a, a pretty low number of innings. I think it was in the 170s. So anything is possible. But, yeah, I think it, they have a very good chance because, frankly, they have three of the best five starters in the National League. <laughs> yeah, if DeGrom is gone, I think they're almost a shoe-in. Uh, his the, Just the name recognition there is so hard to overcome if he's pitching like right. he does. Um, and... The, there's nobody else like the Brewers don't have star power, but the three of them together, I would say normally they're going to be a problem for each other in this scenario. I do think they actually help each other because it gets people talking about, Oh, the Brewers awesome staff. One of the three is going to win it. Um, and that's your, your line versus, um, you know, versus it actually, if they were bigger, like the Yankees, I think if you had three like Cyan type guys, that's where you start to run into canceling out problems because they're already on everybody's radar and they'll all have their kind of favorites in terms of who's voting for them. But I think with the Brewers, like it actually helps them just gain attention more than anything else. So I think they have a great chance. One of them has a great chance to win, it, especially if DeGrom can't go very much longer, which I think kind of is likely at this point. There's a lot of smoke around his, his health at this point. One, they could also help each other out, too, where if they're all really good down the stretch and they really I mean, we're jinxing this hard right now. So, yeah, we are. We are. But taking that as a given right now, if they're all really good down the stretch, you could even see them sort of helping each other out where because I believe guys get well, no, they get five 
spots now. So I was thinking if it was still three spots for the Cy Young, you could see uh, writers just being like, well, it's the three Brewers guys in some order and just throwing them on there. And I think that would, you know, narrative wise, that would be a help. But I I take it back because it is five now for Cy Young. It used (laughs) to be three, but it's five now. I mean, either way, they're going to rack up points and kind of be in contention, right? And, you know, for a while I've been saying like Jake DeGrom for me has kind of gotten to Roger Clemens land where it's like he's the Cy Young winner unless there's a very good reason he's not. And I think, you know, the injury issues this year probably cover that base. So I guess we'll see what happens. But yeah, it, it, it just the idea again, Ryan, going back to the idea of the Brewers leading the league in run prevention, basically. And now we're talking about a Brewers Cy Young winner. Like, that's just crazy, bizarre to me. I can't wrap my head around that. It is very, very strange, though. You know, Pete Vukovic did win it in 1982, and that was very well deserved. So (laughs) (laughs) that isn't one of the most embarrassing Cy Young votes of all time. (laughs) Sorry. Sorry to the Vuk stands out there, but uh, he he really he was like the third best pitcher on the Brewers that year. Yeah. He earned so, it in Major League. It's fun. I was going to say, yeah, he's, he's great in Major League. It's fun. All right. Uh, that'll do it for Patreon questions. But a reminder that if you do become a patron, you get question priority here on the podcast. That's that $2 a month level. Uh, $5 a month gets you those extra podcasts as well. Tons of extra content to kind of fill in your week when you're driving to work or, or what have you. And we do also shout out new patrons on the podcast. Ryan, we got a couple this week. Who do we have? Yeah, welcome to Alex Lammers, and I can't tell if you were a previous. We all recognized your name, so you're well known yep. to all of us <laughs> yep. as as a as a person. Uh, but we couldn't remember. I can't tell exactly from looking at this if you were uh, a supporter before. So either welcome back or welcome either way. And uh, Ralph Schulteis, also welcome. Uh, both of you guys are now eligible for the minor league extra, which James and I did record this week, and it went up. And we discussed the Brewers draft, and he gave some opinions, and we disagreed some. And I don't know if you guys got a chance to listen to that yet, but uh, that was a lot of fun. So we went in depth on uh, the draft in uh, uh, quite a fun way. There you go. So, yeah, definitely. Uh, thank you to Alex and Ralph. And if you yes. are listening and you haven't yet signed up to become a patron, you know, that post-draft minor league extra, always kind of essential listening, just if nothing else, to kind of figure out what's coming down the pike for the brewers and the system and, and kind of figuring out what the next generation is going to be. Right. So always a good listen with Ryan and James Anderson. You also get Paul's reporting as eligible mini pods as well. You can listen to, to him complain about Randall Cobb being a Packer again, apparently not and... complain. <laughs> just the, I, I guess. I, I Yeah, he, he's fine, but just the bizarre idea that uh, the quarterback's dictating trades now. Right. So yes, that's, that's unprecedented and and incredible so um and now's the time to join if you also want to get question priority on reporting is eligible and hear mini pods um it's almost football season this is when you get the most bang for your buck if you if you sign up for those things because this is when it starts all rolling out um consistently for the rest of the season so um and there's one up right now it the the whole Aaron Rodgers saga ended in a crazy way so uh, if you want to hear some of the details on it, whether Randall Cobb is still good or not, he and he is, by the way, still good, um, <laughs> which is good because Aaron Rodgers is not a good GM, and most of the other moves that he cited that he would have made would have been very stupid. <laughs> so I'm, I'm glad that he came up with one that the front office approved of, and everybody's happy now. But uh, yeah. so, sign in, join up, get question priority, get the mini pods, 
and uh, get ready for football season too. There you go. I just saw a tweet, like I think earlier today, uh, six Sundays until NFL Red Zone comes back, and that's yep. just mind blowing to me. That football season it's is so coming close. up that fast. It's August now. It feels like yeah. July was like nothing. So, it's, uh, man, I need to start studying for some fantasy drafts or something. Otherwise, it's going to be a disaster. But yeah, it, just a reminder, like Paul said, bang for your buck there, right? And even if you do not uh, become a patron. We would appreciate very much if you did subscribe to the podcast, whether that's on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Overcast, Pocket Cast, anywhere else that you listen to pocket uh, podcasts. Please hit the subscribe button. And while you're there, please do leave us a review. A five-star review. Find us. Yes, a five-star review. And Paul will read it. That's right. Nobody live did it this week. Audience. So, uh, well, I guess when you hear this, it's not live. But uh, yeah. when we record this, it's live to tape. So it, it's live to us, damn it. So, Nobody did it this week. So there's space for anybody who wants to. I, I will I will read no matter what you write if you leave us a five-star review. Because I care about the stars and not what you write. So <laughs> That's put, great. Put, put whatever That's you want great. there. Yeah, uh, uh, some maybe constructive criticism, yeah, like some others a, have put in there. So we've there had a lot go. of that. This is about <laughs> SEO and algorithm manipulation, not about what you what your free hand is. I don't care about that. Uh, thank you, Google, for uh, just ruining everything for well, us. Well, Apple so, in this case, but yeah, I guess Apple too. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, it's all bad. So there you go. Uh, so yeah, please do leave us a review, uh, five star review, as Paul said. Uh, and hit that subscribe button. You'll get that push alert on your phone every time Ryan posts a new episode every week. Uh, in the meantime, uh, we'll be back next week. Hopefully the Brewers keep on winning. The uh, new additions play out, and we don't have a new Scott Linebreak on our hands in the bullpen. <laughs> uh, until then, uh, we'll see you next time on Milwaukee's Tale. Ryan, come back. (laughs) (laughs) Ryan just walked off. Narrating that now. Narrating. Are are you okay? Ryan almost died here. Yeah, Yeah. I got it. For some reason, I'm coughing, and I don't quite understand why. That's okay. I'm drinking Um, water. That's not concerning at all in these I'm glad you're alive. Yeah, Yeah. that's... uh... This is reminiscent of the reporting as eligible we had where we thought somebody was breaking into Matub's apartment behind him, but fortunately, (laughs) everybody survived. (laughs) There we go. All right.